All right, let's say our confession. All right, let's go. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will sure to be everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Amen, amen, amen. If you have your word with you, go with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And then the first part of verse 2, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and the first part of chapter 2. And again, I'm going to read it from the Amplified like I did last week. Amen? Amen. Let us read. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, Lord, that you've given us to preach your word. We pray, Lord, now that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive what you have for us today, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you've chosen me. I ask you, Lord God, to increase in me and use me, Lord God, for your glory, that somebody might hear your word today and ask, Lord, what must I do to be saved? Lord, we thank you. We give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. Thank everybody for being here. Praise Lord. We're going to jump right in to the word. So last week, we started a message entitled Spiritual Spring Cleaning. And so I want to take just a few moments and review what we talked about to to just kind of refresh our memories um, and also to bring others up to speed who may not have been here last week. So we talked about this this concept of spiritual spring cleaning, and we paralleled it with the the process of cleaning our physical homes when we do spring cleaning. Amen? And so I talked about that process and, and how we go through that process. We begin to take inventory of our homes, and, and during that process, we begin to realize that um, we have a lot of stuff in our houses, um, especially for us brothers when we go out into the garage and you, you just want to turn right back around and say, never mind, we'll do it next year. But um, that's, that's kind of what we get into. And so I asked a question last week. I said, have you honestly and, and seriously taking, taken a, a spiritual inventory of your spiritual house? Have you ever done that? Have you ever taken an inventory of your spiritual house? And so uh, we went on to talk about the first point of the message, which was what? Ah, uh, see, accumulation. We shared that the definition of accumulate is to gather or collect, often in gradual degrees. It suggests gathering of, the gathering of something over a, over a period of time. And so as we 
go through life and we deal with the world and the people and, and the situation and circumstances in the world, if we're not careful, if we're not guarded, we can accumulate some things in our spirit. And so I talked about four things about the things that we could potentially accumulate in our spirit. And I want to stop right there and, and kind of, you know, expound on those four things a little bit more this week. I didn't spend a whole lot of time on them last week, but I want to talk a little bit more about the things that we could potentially accumulate in our spirits. And the first thing we talked about was that we could accumulate certain actions or, or, or habits in our spirits, what we do. Certain actions. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Many of you know that I, I'm a principal in a school here in San Antonio. And um, one day just this past week, I said, I'm going to use this in my sermon. So I got called to a classroom and this teacher was telling me about a situation that was happening in the class. And she, when I got to the classroom, she was explaining to me that one of the students in the class stood up on his chair, and, and he's a tall kid, he stood up on his chair and he was poking his pencil up into the ceiling. He was standing on his chair. And so as she was telling me what was happening and pointing to the student who was, who was doing it, I'm looking at the student puzzled because this isn't one of our what we call frequent flyers. It, if you're in education, you know what I'm talking about. You know, this isn't one of those kids. He, he does not get in trouble. And so I'm just puzzled as to what, like, what's going on with you? And so then I looked around the room at some of the other students and I was like, okay, okay, I, I see. I see what's going on. Because these other kids, some of them in the class are, are some of our more... Um, boisterous students, you know, on the campus. And so when I brought him outside and asked him, hey, man, what's going on with you? You don't, you don't do this. This isn't you. He said, I don't know. You know, everybody else was doing it. And so I just did it just to see, you know, see, just wanted to do it. So bad company corrupts good character. Amen? The, the other thing that we can potentially accumulate in our spirits is attitudes, how we think. Romans 12 and 2 says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I read an article the other day. Um, there's this, this research company called the Barner Research Group, and they do a lot of research as it pertains to faith and culture and how those two intersect. And this, this study was entitled, Com Competing Worldviews Influence Today's Christians. Competing Worldviews Influence Today's Christians. And in this study, they surveyed 1,500 people who say they are practicing Christians. So 1,500 Christians were surveyed and they there were four different worldviews that they used in this study. And so when I read this, I want you to remember this. 1,500 Christians were interviewed. They say they are practicing their faith. They gave them three of the main thoughts of these four different 
worldviews that are different from our biblical worldviews. Everybody good? So I'm going to read these. And so the percentage that I give you is the percentage of Christians who say they strongly agree with the statements that I'm about to read you. So the first one, the culture was new spirituality. That's the, the, the world, the, the view, new spirituality. One of their views is that all people pray to the same God or spirit, no matter what name they use for that spiritual being. 28% strongly agree with that. Christians, okay? Meaning and purpose come from becoming one with all that is. 27% believe that, strongly agree. If you, do, if you do good, you will receive good. If you do bad, you will receive bad. Now that kind of sounds like you reap what you sow, but not quite. 32% strongly agree with that, okay? That's new spirituality. Secularism, a belief has to be proven by science to know it is true. 10% of those 1,500 Christians strongly agree with that. A person's life is valuable only if society sees it as valuable. 13% of Christians strongly agree with that. Meaning and purpose come from working hard to earn as much as possible so you can make the most of life. 20% believe that. Postmodernism, I'm going, stay with me. Postmodernism, no one can know for certain what meaning and purpose there is to life. 19% of Christians surveyed believe that. What is morally right or wrong depends on what an individual believes. 23% of the Christians believe that. If your belief, oh, listen to this one. If your beliefs, offend someone or hurt their feelings, your belief is wrong. 15% of Christians believe that. Last one, Marxism. Private property encourages greed and envy. 11% of Christians say they strongly agree with that. The government, rather than individuals, should control as much of the resources as necessary to ensure that everyone gets their fair share. 14% of Christians believe that. And then the last one, if the government leaves them alone, businesses will mostly do what is right. 15% of Christians believe that. So again, these are worldviews, trains of thought that a lot of us, those people have allowed to infiltrate their spirits and they believe that stuff. So we can accumulate things just on how we navigate the world that we live in. Amen. The other thing that we can accumulate is associates uh, who we who we're with. Psalm one and two. Uh, Psalm verse chapter one, verse one says, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But it, his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates day and night. 
Who we spend a significant amount of time with will have an influence on us. Colin Powell said this, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he, but he, what he really is, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friend he chooses. So the kinds of friends he chooses tells who's he, who he's really like. And then this, this, this quote right here was awesome. When you hang out in the wrong places with the wrong people, you will soon do the wrong things. Accumulating associates, accumulating certain actions. And then we accumulate assets or, or our views of the assets, the material things that we have, what we go after. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says this. And he said to them, take heed and be beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Companies spend millions of dollars on marketing and their sole purpose is to get us to feel that we need whatever it is that they're selling us, be it a product, be whatever it is, their goal is to get us to think or create a need in us that we have to have whatever it is that they're selling or our lives are just incomplete. So if I don't get that car, if I don't get that house, or if I don't get whatever it is, I'm not happy. And until I obtain that, then my happiness is, is you know, nowhere to be found. So we need to understand that you know, we have forces fighting against us that wants to get into our spirits and control us. Amen? Then we talked about the fact that we can accumulate uh, you know, these things that we accumulate, we accumulate them because we give them access to our spirits. We have to ultimately say yes or no to the things that, that are coming at us. You know, I gave the analogy last week of the, of the uh, app on a cell phone. When we download an app, at some point during that process, it asks us for permission or access to our pictures and data and all that. And you have to say yes or no as to whether you give it that access. Same way with the stuff that comes at us on a daily basis in, our, in the world that we live in. Things come at us all the time. And we have to say yes or no to the things that are trying to access our spirits. Um, and then the other thing that we talked about was that we are, we are being when we give those things access that shouldn't be in our spirits, we're being apathetic. We, our apathy is allowing our spirits to be filled with things that should not be there. And so we're failing to realize that, that we have an enemy, and I talked about last week, that's prowling around, the Bible says, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We're, we're being schemed against by the devil and we don't even know it. We don't even have a clue. And the Bible says that we, we can have a clue because the Bible says that we are not ignorant of his devices. Amen. But we don't we don't today we, we allow Facebook and video games and YouTube and, you know, all of these other electronic devices babysit our kids so that they're out of our hair. And so now all of this junk is getting in them. And then we're surprised when a young person goes over to a school or to a mall or to a church and they shoot up the place. Now we're looking crazy like what happened? 
what happened is you were apathetic and allowed your kid to sit in the a room all day and just watch all kind of crazy stuff, Fortnite and all this other stuff, and you don't know what's going on in their lives. We're apathetic to what's going on with our children and in this world. Amen? So now that's how the junk got there. Now, we, there's a cleaning process that we talked about last week. We said that um, we first need to declutter uh, some stuff. We talked about getting rid of stuff that's hindering or weighing us down, preventing us from doing the will of God. We talked about getting rid of pride, uh, unforgiveness. We talked about getting rid of bitterness, stuff that we, we didn't even know was, was in there. Have y'all ever gone to your, your garage, you're cleaning up, and you know, you got your boxes of stuff and, and storage bins, and you're cleaning out, and you get that one box, and you open it up, and you're like, oh, I forgot I had that. And so now you're sitting there reminiscing, you know, going through it. You're supposed to be cleaning up, you know, but now you're just looking through it. Oh, yeah, I remember that, you know, this and that. Same way in our spirit. So now when you see that ex-boyfriend or that ex-girlfriend and something comes up in you, you're like, oh, okay, I, I forgot that was in there, you know. We, there are things in us that we don't even realize that are still there that God has to root out of us. And so we, we got to allow God to work in us. Amen. Then we said uh, we needed to disinfect, to cleanse, to make free of germs or disease. The Bible asks, how can a young man cleanse his way? And it says, by taking heed according to your word. It's our responsibility to know the word of God. It's our responsibility uh, that when we sin, we go to God. The Bible says in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to do what? To cleanse us of our sins and I mean to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so we have to be um, we have to understand that we we have to declutter. We have to disinfect. But then also once we've gotten all clean and all that good stuff, we, things are still going to be coming. So we have to discern what to let in and what to keep out. You know, I, I think about, you know, when we go through, Tavia and I have, we've been really pounding our finances and, and trying to get our finances in order. And uh, once, it's a good feeling when, boy, bills, you don't have to worry about, you know, a whole lot of debt. I'm not saying we totally out, we got that bag on house, but you know, God blessed us, he gonna, he gonna work it out. But once you've gotten it all taken care of, temptation is to go out and, you know, get back in it. You know, you want to buy a house or, I mean, a car or, you know, whatever, but you have to discern, do you really need that thing that you're trying, that you're going out to get? Do you really need to be hanging out with this person or that person, you know, when you have said that, okay, I'm going, I've gotten it all cleaned up, I've got myself straight, God done, you know, took, taking care of me now, so I'm good. Are we then discerning the things that are then coming at us? Amen. And so we have to understand that and realize that uh, we, we still have some work to do. And so now I want to get to what we do with the things that are in our spirit, the things that should be there, the things that are, aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, but we may uh, have some issue with, with the arrangement. And so the first thing I want to talk about um, is that we need to reorganize um, our lives. 
To reorganize is to change the way in which something is organized, to make alterations or adjustments. Every now and then, uh, Tavy, my wife, will want to rearrange the furniture in the house. She hasn't done it lately, but she's done it, and I'm sure many of you have, have rearranged furniture in your house before. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, maybe the, there's a couch that's kind of blocking, you know, the pathway or whatever, and so you want to just kind of create a better flow within your house to navigate, you know, the way you're supposed to, and, and it brings about a certain order in your house. Well, our spiritual houses should have a certain order as well. But for a lot of us, our spiritual houses are kind of out of order. And so, you know, there's some things we need to do. We, we, the Bible says, Matthew 6.33, that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to us. Amen? But, you know, for a lot of us, we, our jobs, our, our hobbies, our toys, our kids, all these other things take priority over God. And then we wonder why our lives seem to be a mess. And it's because we are out of order. We've not sought God first so that God can then get us together to then teach us how to organize the rest of the stuff in our house, the rest of the stuff in our spiritual homes. Amen. And but so we can't have anything in front of God. Understand, we cannot have anything in front of, well, Pastor, I don't know about that. You know, my kids, you know, this, them kids going to leave you. <laughs> they're going to grow up and they're going to leave. And then you're going to be there at home if you're single by yourself or with your spouse. And now, you know, what, what are you going to do? God has an order, a divine order that they're supposed to be. And we're supposed to live within that divine order. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 26 says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. God wants to be first, first, and then he'll take care of all of the rest of the stuff. Amen. And it's not necessarily the stuff that you want. It's the stuff that he knows you need. Amen. So I'm picking on my wife today. So we're at home and she got me doing that spring cleaning thing and we're cleaning up some stuff and she has bought some, you know, spring is coming around. She's bought some pictures and different things, lamps and all of that. And so we're getting ready to redo, you know, some decor in the house. And so she has me take off these pictures that are on the wall. So I take them off, you know, I'm getting ready to take them and put them in the trash or whatnot. She said, no, 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 don't put them in the trash. I'm going to repurpose those. Anybody know what repurpose means? <laughs> repurpose, to give a new purpose or a new use. When you take something that was intended for one use and you change the, the original intent and use it for something else. She said that she was going to find another wall in the house to put those pictures on. She was going to repurpose those, those pictures. And so, you know, if you remember the story in the Bible in Genesis chapter 50, 
when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Don't have time to go through the whole story, but just suffice it to say that Joseph became the uh, prince of Egypt and the brothers who sold him had to come and bow down and all that good stuff. They didn't know it was him. And uh, he then revealed himself to them as his brother. And so, you know, they hug and snot and all that stuff. And <laughs> and then the brothers started scheming because they knew, OK, Joseph going to get us back for selling him into slavery. So, you know, they went to him and, and was going to lie to him and say, well, you know, daddy said, you know, to make sure you treat us right before. And Joseph comforted them and he said, listen, listen, you intended it for evil, but God meant it for my good. Amen. And, and so that's the way that's the same way we as as those of us who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the same way with us. See, Satan had us in his house and we were hanging on the wall of condemnation we were hanging on the wall of destruction. We were hanging on the wall of despair. But then Jesus stepped into the house. Amen. And Jesus, the, Jesus paid for us because the Bible says that we were bought with a price. And so now those of us who are in Christ, we're on Jesus's wall of salvation. We're on Jesus's wall of grace and mercy. Amen. So we don't have to worry about our past anymore because we have been repurposed. Our past has been repurposed. So now that stuff that you went through in your past that Satan used to use to beat you up with, now it's been repurposed. God now wants to use it for you to then help somebody else who may have gone through the same thing that you have been through. So now it's no longer something that you have to be ashamed of, but it's now something God uses to bring other people to him. Amen. Because here, the other thing is this. The passion sometimes that we have for other things before we got saved, God uses that same passion for the kingdom. And so brothers or sisters, if we used to go out and, you know, we're chasing certain people um, that we shouldn't have been chasing, God now has changed it. And so now we're fishers of men. And so now we go out and tell folks about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You still have that same energy. You still have that same passion, but it's been repurposed for a different use. Amen. So we need to understand that God can take anything in our lives and use it for his glory. Finally, I want to talk about in these last few minutes, um, rededication. So we talked about reorganizing. We talked about repurposing. And so now we want to talk about rededication. When I was I was growing up in Fort Pierce, Florida, um, little boy, I'd be outside playing and, you know, getting dirty, doing what boys do, playing in the dirt. And uh, my mom would be in, in the house, sometimes cleaning up. And one of the last things that she would do when she's when she cleans up is she would mop the floor. And so you know, she's been cleaned up. She's mopping, the, she's mopping the floor. And here I come, little dirty self, getting ready to come run in the house. And as I'm getting ready to come into the house, my mom would say, hey, hey, uh-uh. Stop right there. Don't you track that dirt in my house. 
I just, mop, I just clean this house. I just mop the floor. And so you, you dirty shoes, you need to take those shoes off before you come into my house. Matter of fact, you need to stay out there till my floor dries. So, but she wouldn't let me come in because she had cleaned up and she had rededicated herself to keeping the house clean. And so that's what we have to do as Christians. When, when we have conducted this spiritual spring cleaning that we've done, we need to now rededicate or, or dedicate ourselves to keeping our houses clean. Now, does that mean we're never going to sin again? We're never going to do this or that? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that as quickly as we know we've done something that God doesn't approve of, we come straight to him and confess it and say, God, I'm sorry. Amen. And so the Bible says in Galatians chapter five, verse one, stand, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke. Of bondage and so sisters when that when that joker comes to you now wanting to touch you you can say uh-uh no, hey hey just clean my house no impure thoughts bad intentions no dirty shoes and so when 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 that boss trying to get you to do something that's unethical or or illegal you can say no no I just clean my house don't try to draw me into your shadiness no, that's that's dirty shoes. Amen. And so when we when the devil tries to get you to do something that, you know, you shouldn't be doing, you can say to the devil, no, devil, you trying to get me out of the will of my father. No, that is dirty shoes. So I'm not getting involved in it. I'm not doing anything that God doesn't want me to do. I'm not going to allow dirty shoes in my house. Amen. And so stand to your feet. I want everybody to shout, no more dirty shoes. No more dirty shoes. So now when we see each other later on, I'm looking at somebody and say, any dirty shoes? You can say, no, no dirty shoes. No dirty shoes. Amen? Amen. Thank you, God, for this word. We pray that somebody got something out of it. I want to thank everybody for praying for me. And uh, Sister um, Mallory, I'm going to say it one more time. Girl, you bless my soul with that song. I appreciate it. Um, and, and that is my prayer. I pray that God gives me a clean heart because I don't want to do anything that's, that's not pleasing to him. And so I pray that that's our prayer for all of us, that if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ, and, and you want a clean heart and you tired of dirty shoes that, um, you know, Jesus Christ is the way. Um, and so we ask that after service, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and, and I'm sure Ken will talk about it a little bit. Jesus is the way. Amen. Jesus is the way. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to get to know him. It's an awesome life. Um, it's it's. Trust me, it's an awesome life. I, don't even, I can't even put it into words. So thank you all so much for your prayers. God bless you. Amen.